You can now get two free audiobook downloads and a 30-day free trial at audible.bogosity.tv. Your choice from the world's largest selection of over 180,000 digital audiobooks and spoken word content for your iOS or Android device, Kindle, or MP3 player. Go to audible.bogosity.tv now. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of February 18th, 2018. The podcast that caught the last train for the coast. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's recoagulate the news of the bogus. And we start off with another update on the Kim.com extradition fiasco. Both the New Zealand District Court and the New Zealand High Court have ruled that .com can be extradited to the U.S., a place where he's never done business or even set foot. And remember, all of this is because he ran one of the first cloud storage sites, Mega Upload, which the U.S. is saying makes him a criminal since people were using the site to pirate copyrighted content, even though there's no such thing as secondary criminal copyright infringement in New Zealand or the United States. Dotcom and his legal team have been battling the U.S. government every step of the way, and now they have a new appeal going through. They're raising again their contention that the initial search warrants were invalid, as was the SWAT raid on his home, and are complaining that the judge failed to give meaningful consideration in a case where it was warranted. All of their arguments went unconsidered. It's been established that New Zealand's intelligence service had been illegally spying on Dotcom and his associates in the time leading up to the arrest, but that fact was not disclosed to the district court judge who authorized the raids. One other point. Justices Miller and Gilbert, the judges ruling against them, were business partners at the law firm Chapman Tripp who represents the Hollywood studios in this case. Both judges are now on the Court of Appeals, Gilbert being promoted shortly after ruling against .com. The hearing is expected to take two and a half weeks. Here's hoping he can get some judges who aren't biased or bought this time. Say, if you're tired of the promos in this podcast, well, the patrons got it early and with no ads or promos. Just go to patreon.bogosity.tv and donate at any level. Do you have children, or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling, or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Twins, and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary-aged children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain, or regulations passed in the name of safety, and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. Recently, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein and FBI Director Christopher Wray have been renewing the call for government-mandated security holes and backdoors and encrypted transmissions so government can look inside whenever they want to. Understand, 
Rosenstein and Ray are incompetent boobs when it comes to computers. They have no clue how any of this works and have no clue how to accomplish what they want. But they feel the nerds could do it if they only nerd harder. Their only real contribution to the debate is to replace the term backdoor with responsible encryption. Responsible encryption would be not allowing them to do this. So cryptography expert Rihanna Pfefferkorn released a white paper called The Risks of Responsible Encryption, examining their claims. Not only does she confirm the opinion of every single other crypto expert ever, but she also points out that their ideas would not result in the level of access Rosenstein and Ray claim, but would make it far more open to exploitation by bad actors. She points out that they didn't even say how this should be done, on what devices, what transmissions, or any specifics. In fact, quote, The closest Ray got to specifics was in describing a real-world example, the Symphony message platform used in the banking industry. That agreement was with the banks about changing their use of the platform, not with the developer about changing its design of the platform, which makes it a somewhat inapt example for illustrating how developers should behave responsibly when it comes to encryption. Nevertheless, the fact that Ray mentioned those two elements, retention of messages plain text and decryption key escrow, implies that his responsible solution would demand those features of messaging app developers. He offered no details or examples of how manufacturers should implement the ability to access the device once we've obtained a warrant. And the real problem comes when you try to scale this up. The bigger you scale it, the easier it is for those keys to fall into the wrong hands and the more vulnerable it is to hacking by criminals in enemy nation-states. Not to mention problems caused by corrupt law enforcement officials. Not only did Rosenstein and Ray not address these critically important problems, they didn't even acknowledge their existence. Pfefferkorn writes, The exceptional access decryption key would have to be accessible by far more people than those currently entrusted with a software update signing key. That puts the key at risk and also makes it harder to detect inappropriate use of the key. Risk exists even with the software update key, but minimizing its use and accessibility helps to mitigate that risk. Adequately and promptly vetting all requests that come in may be feasible for a large company with vast resources such as Apple, and as said, its employees might still make a mistake. However, a small Taiwanese handset company or indie messaging app maker will likely be unable to do so. If an attacker sends a fake unlock request to the vendor pretending to be, say, a Polish law enforcement agent, and the vendor is fooled into unlocking a device for the attacker or giving the attacker the means to unlock it, it could severely compromise user security. In a provider-managed key escrow scheme like Rosenstein contemplates, the cost and complexity of authenticating a high volume of global law enforcement requests, not just accurately, but fast enough to meet the quick turnaround time needed in urgent investigations or possibly mandated by the applicable key recovery law, will fall entirely on the vendor. So, too, in Ray's third-party escrow scheme, that cost and complexity would fall on the escrow agent instead of the vendor. The agent likewise might not have resources equal to the task, particularly if, as said, it is the escrow agent for multiple vendors. She also points out this would be harmful to the U.S. economy, quote, U.S. vendors and app designers would lose business to overseas competitors in both foreign and domestic markets. Enterprises, governments, and individuals in other countries would be understandably wary of devices and messaging channels that are accessible by the U.S. government. 
particularly if locally made alternatives exist. Domestic consumers and businesses, too, might choose not to buy American for the same reasons. An exceptional access restriction could lead to a black market for non-compliant mobile devices within the United States. Compromised devices would lead to identity theft, intellectual property misappropriation, industrial espionage, and other economic harms to American individuals and businesses. These are the very harms from which phone manufacturers are presently protecting Americans by strengthening their device encryption in recent years. An exceptional access mandate would not only hurt U.S. smartphone manufacturers and app makers, it would end up taking an economic toll on other people and industries as well. And worse than that, it wouldn't even work. Quote, Unlocking the phone need not provide access to the data. These chat apps or other kinds of apps could require an additional password to unlock messages or other locally stored app data, such as photos and notes. Applications could further require authentication to several remote cloud services before the data will unlock. Even after the user's password is entered, if agents cannot compel all of the providers to cooperate, they will not gain access. Plus, other means besides encryption exist for hiding information on a phone. For example, steganographic applications can be used to hide messages or other information within image files, making it very difficult to find the hidden data on the phone even if it is unlocked. Jihadis have already begun to develop their own such app. And of course, the criminals would have the incentive to use these apps, whereas most normal civilians wouldn't. Quote, by imposing an exceptional access mandate, law enforcement officials charged with protecting the public would create a world wherein the shrewdest wrongdoers have better security than the innocents they victimize, who, in turn, would by law have worse smartphone and communication security than they do now. Yet Rosenstein and Ray are either unaware of or have chosen to ignore this unintended consequence of their responsible encryption proposals. And she actually put responsible in scare quotes. So... Once again, we see that, far from draining the swamp, the Trump administration has become the creature from the Black Lagoon. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age, so go to vpn.bogosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world, and they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. There's a lot of media fear-mongering about the 2018 flu season. While it is a bad one, and people need to take steps to make sure they stay healthy, the media are causing way too much panic over it, and that panic can be very harmful. The last bad flu season was 2014-15, rated moderately severe by the CDC, and this season is shaping up to be at least as bad. It could drop off and not be so bad, or it could continue to escalate and be the worst in over a decade, or anything in between. 
The latest CDC data show that 7% of Americans have gone to a health care provider complaining of flu-like symptoms, putting it on par with the 2009 swine flu pandemic, where you had a novel flu strain that wasn't covered by the vaccines and could cause more than the typical number of deaths in younger patients. Even that one wasn't as bad as the media hype made it out to be, but don't go thinking it was a walk in the park either. Hospitalizations are up as well, on track with what we saw in 2014-15. to So there is cause for concern, but the concern has to be put in context, something the media doesn't seem to like doing. They're fear-mongering about children getting sick and dying when pediatric deaths are lower than they've been in the last three flu seasons. And a lot of the pediatric deaths the media have been blaming on the flu didn't have anything to do with the influenza virus. By the way, 80% of the children who have died from the flu this year hadn't gotten their flu vaccine. And by the way, you cannot get the flu from the flu vaccine. It's impossible. And a couple of other things to understand. A fever is not a cause for panic. Neither is hives, which generally go away on their own. Also, although we are seeing deaths in otherwise healthy children, we're not seeing any more of them than we have in other flu seasons. Clay Jones gives an example in this science-based medicine article. According to media coverage, quote, Seb is now doing well, but Willard says seeing several news stories about fatal flu cases did have her worried that she might lose her son. I did think about it for sure. Lots of kids have died, she says. People need to realize that this is something that's very dangerous. Kids are resilient, but when they start to get sick, they go down very quickly, and it's hard to come back from that. But according to Jones, quote, First off, Seb was never not doing well. He had a classic case of acute hives that quickly ran its course. I have very low suspicion that his hives were caused by an infection with an influenza virus, and I am even more confident that the prescribed Tamiflu played no role in their resolution. Unfortunately, his mother's original post was seen by millions of people once amplified by terrible news coverage. The fact that she is a nurse was emphasized repeatedly in reports, which gives her concern more legitimacy than it deserves. People should seek medical care if they are very sick with flu-like symptoms, not just because they have isolated hives, unless the itch is severe and unresponsive to over-the-counter medications. And then, of course, there's people like Gloria Copeland, the wife of televangelist Kenneth Copeland, telling everyone to avoid the flu vaccine because people who get the flu deserve it because they didn't have enough faith. By the way, their church was implicated in a 2013 measles outbreak in Texas. Jones emphasizes that he doesn't want to downplay the risks of the flu this season. Quote, It's bad out there, largely because the predominant flu strain H3N2 tends to cause worse illness, and the vaccine isn't a great match for it this year. But 10 to 20% reduction in risk of illness is still good, and there's clear evidence that the vaccine reduces the likelihood of severe disease if infected, and it is a better match for the other circulating strains. So get the shot now if you haven't already. Pay attention to you or your child's symptoms, especially if you have risk factors for more severe diseases and take them seriously if symptoms are worsening significantly, or bad and not improving after a few days, even if you don't have risk factors. Don't panic at the sight of an itchy rash. Wash your hands, too. A lot. And if you are sick with the flu, try to stay away from other people, if at all possible, until you are no longer having a fever and you are clearly on the mend. In other words, get vaccinated, wash your hands, stay home if you're sick. 
Good advice for any point in time. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now it's time to remove the gluten from this week's Biggest Bogan Emitter. And for the very first time, it goes to Donald Trump. Okay, the very first time in 2018. He got it three other times in 2017. Yes, we're really going after the Trump admin this week, but it's only because they keep doing stupid things. Anyway, he's getting a real handle on our huge budget issue. Yes, he's going after the big items. Social Security, Medicaid, Defense. Oh, wait. No, he isn't. He's going after food stamps. He claims he's going to reduce spending on the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP, by cutting it by $129 billion uh, over 10 years. Over the same period, SNAP's budget would shrink by $213 billion. Now, if you're wondering how that works out mathematically... That means that most of that cut is going to come in in the last year or two. In other words, once Donald Trump is out of office. And of course, the future president and Congress won't have any obligation to see it through. How many times have we seen this maneuver? But the really idiotic part is how he claims to do it. Instead of letting people just go to the store and use a debit card to buy food, he'll require people who receive at least $90 a month to get half of their benefits from a USDA food package, including shelf-stable milk, ready-to-eat cereals, pasta, peanut butter, beans, and canned fruit and vegetables. The government would deliver this package to beneficiaries every month. Only a politician would have the chutzpah to claim that buying food and delivering it would be cheaper than just buying food. Especially when you consider that, for example, shelf-stable milk is more expensive than a comparable quality of regular milk they can just go to the store and buy. And by the way, what are you supposed to do if you're lactose intolerant, or have a peanut allergy, or can't eat beans? This is going to turn into a bureaucratic nightmare. I don't really expect this to pass, but the thing is, if you treat welfare recipients like children, don't expect them to make adult decisions. So that's why Donald Trump is once again this week's biggest bogan emitter. If you're going to shop online, use our special links to shop at Amazon. Clear your cookies and go to Amazon.pagosity.tv and you won't pay a penny more for your purchase. 
If you haven't used the mobile app in the last 12 months, or even at all, go to get5.bogosity.tv on your phone or tablet and get $5 off your order of $10 or more. Go to prime.bogosity.tv for a free 30-day trial of Amazon Prime and enjoy thousands of movies and TV episodes, borrowed Kindle books, and get unlimited two-day shipping for free. And speaking of Kindle, go to kindle.bogosity.tv for a 30-day free trial to Kindle Unlimited, read over 1 million books, and listen to thousands of audiobooks on any device. You can go to music.bogosity.tv and get a free 30-day trial of Amazon Music Unlimited with access to Amazon's entire library of 10 million songs, ad-free and with unlimited skips, and even download to listen offline. All great ways to help this podcast simply by shopping at Amazon. And now let's slip hydroxic acid into the drink of this week's And this week it goes to California. Just for any of you who are still under the delusion that leftists are pro-science, we have a very expensive ballot initiative that is the dream of every anti-science conspiracy nut bar who's even slightly to the left of Alex Jones. The California Clean Environment Initiative aims to eliminate vaccination requirements for schools and daycares, ban GMOs, and prohibit fluoridation and chlorination of water. They want to ban over 300 chemicals, including fire retardants, and ban the use of smart meters because they might cause brain cancer. As part of the justification for all this regulation, they claim that GMOs and other unspecified contaminants in food, vaccines, and the environment cause autism, Parkinson's, and all sorts of diseases. But activist Shereel Jensen says that it's all about freedom. Quote, We are trying to restore people's ability to fight for themselves and decide what they should do. These companies that make the chemicals have taken our right to refuse those chemicals away. So, she wants to take away people's right to choose these chemicals, or indeed to even live in anything remotely resembling a free society. For freedom, of course. This initiative is the strong precautionary principle on steroids. It says, quote, Nothing may be introduced into people, commerce, or the environment if it causes or increases the probability of one or more of the following people, mammals, birds, bees, other beneficial insects, or amphibians. I guess lizards, well, we hate those so they can die. And then it goes on to list all sorts of diseases and conditions, including death, cancer, diabetes, Alzheimer's, allergies, insomnia, loss of productivity of the soil, and a die-off of intestinal bacteria. You could use it to ban any medicine or medical device. You could use it to ban cars and air travel. It's so expansive, you could even use it to ban water. Jensen is authorized by the state to collect the 365,880 signatures she'll require to get it on the ballot. She has until August 8th. This in the state that already has the strictest environmental regulations in the country. So that makes all of these California activists this week's... up this told us never to be seen driving garbage around the vicinity again edition of the Bogosity Podcast. Come join the discussion at forum.bogosity.tv and feel free to send a question, statement, news article, or rant in text or audio to podcast at bogosity.tv. 
This podcast depends on you to keep going, so please donate using the links on the website or the QR codes in the thumbnail, or support Shane DK on Patreon and make her support and get the podcast and YouTube videos early and without ads or promos. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Robert Heinlein. The capacity of the human mind for swallowing nonsense and spewing it forth in violent and repressive action has never yet been plumbed. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, not commercial literary. 4.0 International License. Bogosity. Want answers to creationist claims against evolution? Would you like to know more about evolution yourself, or even engage creationists more directly, with actual peer-reviewed sources to back you up? My book, How Evolution is Scientific, is designed to show the basics of evolutionary theory and how it is so well supported using the scientific method. It's impeccably sourced, with references to the actual scientific material, and is arranged using the creationists' own criteria of what is scientific. Using their own arguments against them, see how evolution is scientific, but creationism is not. Based on observations, accurate predictions, logic, and evidence. Get answers to common creationist claims, and even a primer on abiogenesis, the start of all life. It's all in my book, How Evolution is Scientific, available at Amazon, and on Kindle, EPUB, and PDF as well. Get How Evolution is Scientific and Never Be Taken In by Creationists Again.